0: From the pool room on Pleasure Island, it's the IGN DigiGuys! So please welcome two of the Coachman's Donkeys, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Coachman's Donkeys? What? That was written by Chevelle Dixon, and we thank you. Even though I did not get the reference, N- Mark, nobody got the reference, huh? Including
1: Wade Major and Mark
0: Kaiser. I didn't get the reference, Mark.
1: I did not either. <laughs>
0: we're we're all perplexed. <laughs> I
1: I I just work here.
0: Chevelle, you've stumped us. Um, email us at gods at digigods.com. please explain. <laughs> we we don't understand. Uh, you know, um. I'm yes, Wade. What? I
1: uh, you, you're about to say something. And yeah.
0: No, I I was about to say something. I was about to say I um I it's just ultraviolet. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I I posted a thing on the on the Facebook page because I want to know what people think is deficient in streaming and not just ultraviolet, but all kinds of streaming. So I would urge everybody go on there and comment because I want to know what you feel. What is stopping you from fully embracing the whole streaming paradigm? It, it, there's an ideal that we all have in our heads about the way that it should be. If I want to watch a movie, I should be able to, blah. That, there's that ideal. But it, it, that doesn't exist. What, what is wrong with the current paradigm? Because Netflix is not, it's, it's not, Redbox, now, Ultraviolet, now.
1: Well, Ultraviolet is, you know what, it, it doesn't seem uh, intuitive or simple. It seems no. like there's too many steps yeah. and where does it go and where can I watch it? And it takes a lot of explaining.
0: Yeah, it's too much. Y- it was funny
1: because I, I remember when, uh, when, when TiVo first came out. Yes. I thought the problem, with, the problem TiVo has to overcome is when they say you can pause live television.
0: Uh-huh,
1: and I thought pause live television does that mean I'm like stopping time and space? How does that happen? Yeah, how do I pause live television? Yeah, and then they stopped saying that and and then people knew what it was, yeah, you know, and I think that there's that there's this inst- there's a there's a hurdle that they have to overcome no, I agree to get people to understand exactly what it is, how much work it takes to get ultraviolet to do what you want it to do. And whether doing what it should do is going to be helpful to you.
0: Too much of a learning curve.
1: Well, you know what? It's funny because you know, the, uh, uh, there's something a little similar, uh, kind of similar. The new PlayStation Vita, which is their new handheld gaming system. Mm-hmm. You can play a game on your PlayStation 3 at home, right? And then pick up the game where you left off on your Vita. So you play it on the PlayStation 3 at home. And then instead of paying attention to the road... Or doing your work, you can actually pick up the game where you left off on the Vita and play it there. It's a little bit like that, you know. There's like when you're introducing new things, new toys, new ways of looking at things, new ways of watching, listening, whatever it is. There's always going to be a hurdle, and part of the job of the marketing departments of these corporations is to explain it to people in a way that makes them not only understand it but want it.
0: Yeah, and with
1: Ultraviolet, I don't think it's there yet. Uh, I hear you. Mainly because I think too with the thing with the cloud. I don't know that people, and again, this might be generational. I don't know that people trust the cloud. Like, what does it mean? Is it in space? Does it exist? Yeah. Is it on a gigantic server farm in North Carolina? What, I mean, what? What if the cloud goes down? Do I lose everything? Yeah. I mean, I think there's still some hurdles there.
0: Yeah, I think I think honestly, even on a digital level, we're all still pack rats. We're all still hoarders. We want our stuff close by.
1: Hey, look. the The, the other day, it was a quiet day in in Markland. Yeah. The other day, mm-hmm. and I actually went through and and and. And I looked at all my Blu-rays and all my DVDs, because I'm a nerd, Yep. and I was actually able to find some... Wait, I was able to find duplicates. There are DVDs (laughs) that I own duplicates of.
0: I know. And by the way... I have have the same problem.
1: Whenever I found a duplicate, it was a great feeling. You know why? Hmm.
0: Because
1: I get to take that duplicate (laughs) and (laughs) and sell it back to Amoeba Records in Hollywood and get credit that I will then use to buy Blu-rays I really want.
0: Yeah, but then you run into things like I did, where you go and you pick up the, the Blu-ray of Deliverance, and you're like, yeah, I finally have Deliverance. And then the press release comes and says, yeah, there's going to be an anniversary de- edition Blu-ray book of Deliverance coming up. And you go, crap.
1: Hey, look, I...
0: I'm tired of that.
1: Look, since I didn't buy my copy of West Side Story on Blu-ray...
0: Yeah. You
1: know, if I had bought my copy of West Side Story on Blu-ray, yeah. I could have traded it in... Sure. ...for the corrected version. Remember, there was that issue with the yeah. opening credits? Yeah. But because I got mine for free... I can't trade that in.
0: Mark, we're going to start off on uh, on you're British ignoring, television. You're ignoring me. I am. We're going to start off today on British television. We haven't done it in a while. We are going to be – now, next week, we're going to uh, get around to talking about uh, Downton Abbey, the uh, first two seasons on Blu-ray, which we didn't get the first season on Blu-ray previously. Got it now and the second season. Uh, I'm going to just tease this. Out. I think I'm hooked. I do I, I, I didn't want to say it I thought it was going to be like you know I was like everybody else is just getting way too into this and uh, I, I, you know what I'm hooked damn it um, but for now I'm going to talk about Midsummer Murders set 19 you know what Mark set 19 of Midsummer Murders totally different from sets 1 through 18
1: is that 18 completely different this is 19 too many
0: entirely different this thing uh, it, it's weird like set 19 suddenly it's a comedy and it takes place in, uh, in, in Dubai it's the strangest thing
1: I love Dubai. I, I, I want to go to Dubai someday. I, I really do. I, I, I want to go to the the seven-star hotel in Dubai, even though there is no official designation for I a seven-star hotel. It's insane. They still call themselves a seven-star hotel. It's like a triple
0: X movie. And I want to go. Yeah. Well, no, seriously. Midsummer Murders has been around for so incredibly long, and it's because it's a, it's a, great, uh, it's a great mystery series. It's a great uh, procedural, British procedural and it all takes place in the countryside, which is what kind of gives it its appeal. It's why people enjoy it. And also because it follows that great British tradition where the, uh, the, the mysteries are all feature-length. So these are, you know, and they kind of did that back in the 70s, too, with the, uh, the, the mystery movie, you know, Macmillan and Wife and MacLeod. Those were, those were feature-length things at the those time. horrible they were, but, and but you know what? There's something to be said about a, a show, a series where you get more than just 60 minutes at a time, where it really kind of soaks in, and it's like 100 minutes, and it really, really, they really put a lot of effort onto it. So, there are four of these on set 19: uh, The Made to Measure Murders, sort of Guillaume, Blood on the Saddle, and the Silent Land. Uh, all of them very, very good and beautiful on Blu-ray. And then we also have, uh, going through this real quickly, uh, Land Girls Series 3. Now, this was a, a pretty decent – the concept here was a good, decent movie many years ago, and then they turned it into a series. Uh, Mark and I have a friend who wrote the score for the film version. Um, and uh, this is this is lovely. Land Girls Series 3. Um, this is um, – you know, it's it's okay. I mean, the whole it's you know it's World War Two and it's uh, you know women in working doing whatever they got to do in World War Two and uh, you know doing the women's Land Army and working the fields and and all that stuff. It's a little bit of a soap opera, not too different from Downton Abbey in that respect, but it's perfectly fine. And uh, series three is is lovely. Uh, a lot of great actresses here. Sophie Ward is is quite fetching. That's from BFS, and uh, BFS also gives us the Indian Doctor uh, series one, which I was entirely and totally unfamiliar with. Uh, Mark, you ever heard of the uh, the Indian Doctor? Mark, no, no. No. This is from the. This this is is,
1: this is your part of the show, Wade. Okay, fine. All
0: you. Well, this, this is from, like, the mid-'90s. I'm not... I, I, You know, like, 96, 97, that's when this thing uh, ran. I'm not at all familiar with it, but uh, this takes place in uh, 1963 when Indian doctors, um, first coming to the UK to basically, you know, uh, see if white people would be willing to <laughs> let Indian doctors operate on them and... Uh, or even, you know, uh, just be, like, family doctor or whatever. Anyway, it's... Uh, it It... it it's a very specific place and, and point in time as, and very, very culturally specific to something that I guess is unique in the UK, this whole kind of post-colonial uh, adjustment period that has a racial dimension, that has a, a sociocultural dimension, that has a, a, um, a class dimension. Uh, so, I mean, in that respect, it's interesting. I just don't know how, um, you know, sort of broad-based it is to, you know, the Downton Abbey crowd. Keep talking about Downton Abbey, uh, Primeval Volume Three on Blu-ray. This has been a big deal on BBC America, uh, and uh, you know what? It's just it's the same thing over and over. I, it, it feels very much like more of the. It, these are all the, the unholy children of the Night Stalker, basically. These Which they're shows. making a movie out of. Which yeah I know, but it's like they all we have tons of these shows in here in the U.S. and they are all over. You know the, the even uh, the X Files is kind of part of that as well um so anyway um if if, honestly this thing has like a a huge following and uh if you love it i guess you love it i find it a little bit tedious um i also find this the whole fairy tale obsession tedious i don't get these new shows that we have here like uh once upon a time i don't get it have you seen it no grim i don't get it have you seen that
1: do I, do I have to answer that?
0: Yeah, I guess not. I have not seen it. Well, anyway, The Adventures of Merlin, the complete third season, I don't know how they keep this thing going. I really don't. Uh, they've got Merlin and they've got Robin Hood, both of which are taking literary material and stretching it way too far for the sake of television soap operas. Um, generally very well done. Also a BBC production, but it just all feels a little too... It's all kind of Doctor Who-ized as well. Um, but very nicely done. This comes to us on DVD, not on Blu-ray, and uh, comes with some uh, some commentaries and some behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, if it's your thing. Uh, Much more everyone else's speed is the HBO series Game of Thrones, which is starting its second season very soon, which means, in true HBO fashion... They are uh, they're juicing everybody up with a big fancy splashing extras packed Blu-ray release of the first season, and uh, Game of Thrones. I was relatively unfamiliar with until um, my sister-in-law and her husband informed me, explained to me everything about the egg and all of this stuff. And it's very Lord of the Ringsy, and they've the, you know the, the books apparently are uh, are rather engaging. So um, I gave the show a chance, and I find it okay. A little underwhelming. I was expecting much, much, uh, much more impressive production value, much more kind of epic television stuff. Mark, you're making a you're making a squishy face.
1: Yeah, you know everyone's talking about the Game of Thrones, Wade. Everyone loves it. H look, here's the thing. Next HBO's thing. got two things going on right now with Game in the title.
0: What are in Game of Thrones and and what game else? Game Change. Oh, Game Change. Yes, that's right. but that's not a series. That's just a movie.
1: It's a big time. It's a big time for HBO yeah. right now, I
0: suppose. Anyway, I look, it's it's fine. It it does have that whole kind of mythical Lord of the Ringsy thing going, it's got British actors, it feels heavy, it feels weighty. I hope the second season sort of pushes into better territory though. It just still felt like it's missing it just a beat. I wanted more. I'd been led to expect more. Um, but that being said, uh, a lot of amazing extras here. Really, really good stuff uh, made specifically for the Blu-ray. And, uh, you know, all the behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, really very, very nicely produced. So I'll say that much. They really, really know how to go the extra mile with the uh, with the Blu-ray. Uh, we also have from Acorn, another BBC series, George Gently, Series 1 on Blu-ray. Now, this has been on DVD before. And they're finally pushing it on, on blue, onto Blu-ray, and uh, I don't know that it necessarily benefits tremendously well from Blu-ray. It uh, this was this is about five years old or so, and. Um as a cop show it's extremely well done it certainly has high production value I just don't know that it uh, it needs to be I mean if you have if you don't have it go ahead and get it in Blu-ray for sure but uh, as far as you know upgrading from Blu-ray to, or to, to Blu-ray from DVD I don't know if that makes that much sense uh, also from Acorn is something that's absolutely outstanding. This is called The Brontes of Haworth or Hayworth, depending how you want to pronounce it, The Dramatic Lives of the Literary Legends. And uh, this is lovely. I uh, thoroughly enjoy this. I had, I had no idea this had ever been done. There are a few of these that have been done over the years. This was originally from 1973. And... Um, in the story of the Bronte sisters and their uh, their their very stern father and their loser brother is fascinating Steve Bronte and uh, it's interesting because Michael Kitchen from Foyle's War plays Branwell the, the, the layabout loser brother and uh, some great performances uh, kind of dramatizing all of this not what it probably should be if it were done today But uh, actually quite nice, very literate and very informative, and I uh, was thoroughly, thoroughly engaged. So 70s British television doesn't always work for me, but in this case, I really enjoyed it. And then Agatha Christie's Poirot, Series 1 from Acorn is out on Blu-ray as well, completely remastered and I gotta tell you, this stuff always looked like crap to me when I watched it in broadcast and when it was on DVD, it kind of looked crappy. They're great mysteries, don't get me wrong, they're really terrific Um, but then I was thinking, really, is this really gonna benefit in Blu-ray? Is this like that horrible, grainy, bad photography, that underlit look that made this stuff look like it was just you know, made for a buck, buck, and a quarter somewhere in in the Highlands of Scotland. Is that really going to sh- shine on Blu-ray? And yet the answer is, yeah, not so much. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> it's uh, it's 4:3. First of all, it's not full widescreen. The stuff was shot 4:3. Um, so it, it's a, the color is better. The grain is still a bit of a problem. The resolution and the artifacting is still a bit of a problem. But it is more colorful. So I'll I'll um, you know I'll leave it at that. That's the uh, set one, which a lot of people already have. Only three more, Mark. I won't torture you any longer. Borgia, Faith and Fear, Wade, season um, one.
1: Wait, I'm on Match.com right now, looking at girls.
0: Really? I am. Match.com. Swear to God. What happened to J date?
1: I, I had that one too. Okay. I do. I have them both.
0: There you go. That's my boy. <laughs> That's my great. boy.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> Why? I, really, I really am living a great life.
0: Twelve episodes from uh, Borgia, Faith and Fear, season one from Lionsgate. Everybody's getting in on the, uh, the dramatization of the Borgias now. Uh, you know, we were sort of a little bit aware of it back when The Godfather was made because, as everyone should know, the Godfather is uh, sort of based on the Borgias, one of the great medieval horrible families that uh, dominated medieval politics and religion and everything else. And uh, you know what? This is, this is decently well done. A little bit soapy, but then again, the Borgias were soapy. Production value could be a little better. I'd love to see it on Blu-ray. I think it would benefit, but we only have it on DVD.
1: You know, speaking of, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, uh, I just watched the, um, the premiere of The Hunger Games. It was a big premiere. Have you not, seen the movie? I have not seen the movie yet. Okay. But I was watching the premiere. You know, the big cast and crew that was on uh, E! They had a big thing about it. Sure and you realize that like if you're that age what age you know you're a girl and you're 15 17 oh, whatever yeah, i totally relate you want to be in that movie cuz these you know you know that these girls want to be in them they would love to be in that movie and and i remember watching this premiere thinking what equivalencies are there in our lives like for instance if you're italian you wanted to be in the Godfather Three when you heard that they were. P- true. When That's you true. heard that they were that they were picking up the Godfather after yeah. like you know fifteen years, whatever, yeah. whatever that hiatus was. Yeah. You know every single Italian in the world would give anything just to be an extra true. in a street scene yeah. in that movie. That's true. You ha- and, and, and who they wind up with Andy Garcia and George Hamilton. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was thinking when I was when I was that age when I was like ten. Wade, mm-hmm. I'm going to test you. Okay. When I, you go back in the Wayback Machine, when I was ten years old, okay, that's I have the, the that, that for thats the—that's the—the—the the, the clue is ten years old, not what? not seventeen, not twenty-two, whatever. What movie did every single, and maybe even twelve years old too? Mm-hmm. 10, ten is probably even a little young. What, tw- what movie did every twelve to ten to fourteen-year-old want to be in back when we grew up? When well, we see, grew up,
0: I was my answer to your question before you asked it was going to be Apple Pie. But that doesn't really apply now. <laughs>
1: no.
0: So I have to come up with a different answer. So what movie, when we were about 12 years old, did we all want to be in?
1: Yeah, maybe even 14, something like that. It okay, was well, a movie that came out.
0: Well, I'm going to guess that you're probably going to answer Star Wars. No. No. Close Encounters? No. Logan's Run. Okay, you're,
1: no. You ready? It's going to kick your butt.
0: Okay, hit me. Now,
1: should I give you a hint or should I tell you what the movie is?
0: Well, I'll tell you what my answer would be. What's your answer? Okay, my answer would be I wanted to be in An Unmarried Woman. <laughs> um, but...
1: Oh. Well, who are you? What is that? Is that a joke?
0: I, I, no, I, I just love Paul Mazursky, yeah. and I just thought that was. I like no. Jill Clayburgh, and I thought that would be a, you know, a nice world to inhabit. When I, I was. okay, love to get up. to know Jill Clayburgh uh, a little better because she was okay, no, an unmarried me. woman.
1: Shut up. When I was 14 years old. Yes. The movie that came out around that time, whatever it was, that I just had to be in. Yes. And I was jealous of everyone who was in it. Yes. And I had dreams of being in it. Yes. Was Bugsy Malone. You're
0: out of your mind. Are Bugsy, you serious?
1: M- Bugsy Malone was a film. It was a gangster film with
0: Scott Baio and Jodie Foster, yes. like his gangster kids, directed by Alan Parker. Yes, it was his directing debut. What What do you think? I mean, it's fine. It's fine, but why would you want to be in it?
1: Because the movie was for those who don't know what Bugsy Malone is, it's, it's a terrific film. A, a, actually, kind of a forgotten film. It is. It, it, was a, it was. It It's a gangster film with kids. But the whole I, the whole concept, yeah. is that every role is played by a kid. A kid. Yeah. Including a very young Scott Baio, a very young Jody Foster, directed by Alan Parker. He was a real yeah, director. Yeah. And I remember seeing that movie, and I was I would dream of being in Bugsy Malone. Okay, fine.
0: I guess. <laughs> you uh. Really,
1: you did not think to yourself, oh, "I would be in Bugsy Malone." No, you You're know, the, fourteen years old. Okay, it's not like you want to be in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. You want to be in Indiana? No,
0: movie. you want to know the Alan Parker film I wanted to be in? The Commitments. Uh, no, um, uh, Midnight Express. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I wanted I wanted, to, I wanted to, you That's know right. strap hashish to my stomach when I was 12 and and run around uh Istanbul and get chased by get you know Interpol and get thrown into a prison where Randy Quaid gets his testicles beaten out. You can um, you know what
1: you can still live that dream.
0: I, I could. I really could. You know what French Fields the complete collection is uh, is just lovely. If you've never seen this Anton Rogers and Julia McKenzie who are almost not the least bit known outside of uh, the UK. Did this absolutely charming uh, sweet series, which is, I guess, uh, and this was for Thames originally, like in the late, uh, it, it ran for a few years from uh, 89 to about 91. Um, this is, it's a little bit kind of semi sort of Green Acres-ish, although not as corny. Um, you know, it's this, it's this couple and they go to France to sort of reinvent their, uh, their, their lives and their sensibilities. And uh, it really is, it's very charming. I mean, you have to sort of have a sense of what the, uh, the cultural divisions are between the French and the English to really, really get into it, but it's absolutely charming and really well acted and very nicely and smartly written. So I do recommend that, the complete collection, that's in, from Acorn. And then also, lastly from Acorn, uh, is Poldark, the complete collection, which is, uh, oddly enough, I would say one of the best of, uh, of these things that we've talked about today. I would love for Acorn to put this out on Blu-ray. I don't know how it will necessarily benefit, because this was also for three full screen but uh, I have a feeling that the the sort of pageantry of it would work a little bit better um, basically to Robin Ellis if you're familiar with the good soldier he stars as Captain Ross Poldark uh, in something that's a little bit sort of it's a little bit of a swashbuckler I guess a little bit uh, Victor Hugo meets uh, Alexander Dumas kind of a you know thing deal here and uh the character actually is an Englishman who um returns to uh, from the American Revolution, escaping from a prison camp, a French prison camp and uh, then you go into these adventures and these uh you know these these roguish exploits which are rather pretty cool, really well done and um you know for the for when this was done. Back back in the uh, mid to late seventies, it uh, really captured some pretty great production value, which are impressive even by today's standards. So try to try to do this on Blu-ray at some point, Acorn. Please. All right, Mark. Um,
1: oh, can I start paying attention now?
0: Yes, you can. You can start paying attention now. Um, let's get into some. Uh, here. Ah, gosh. I'll, uh, you can – that's your thing right there. You can get off on that. But I'm going to make a quick mention f- right off the top of uh, Fritz Long's uh, S- The Spiders, which is uh, out from Kino in an authorized restored edition. If you've never seen The Spiders, it's uh, its not the best Fritz Long ever, but certainly for Fritz Long completists, you're going to definitely want to hang on to it. It's um, sort of uh, Indiana Jones-ish, I guess, in some respects. Uh, this is from 1919 and uh, 1920 there are uh, two episodes here and uh, the first one is a little over an hour the second one is 104 minutes and uh, you know it's it's kind of it it, it's very much in the serial the early serialized thing Louis Fayad was of course the kind of the father of the serial and uh, Fritz Long decided to try his hand at it and did something that is very uh, very cool for its era although it's not it doesn't really play to his his best strengths but it's a it's quite nice, and, um, you know, Kino has done a very good job with it, um, but uh, I think uh, if you're a Fritz Lang fan, you're not necessarily going to see him at his best here.
1: Long it up, baby. Uh, melancholia, you know, I have a real love-hate relationship with Lars von Trier. and you do. You have a hate-hate relationship with Lars yeah, von Trier. I
0: used to love him, and then I hated him, and now I'm just sort of indifferent because he's
1: he's kind of a jerk. Well, he is a jerk. But, uh, you know, with Antichrist, I I had finally given up on him. But with Melancholia, I feel like I am ready to possibly embrace him again. Uh, I think this film goes a very, very long way to make a very simple point, which I don't think is a compliment. But um, I got to tell you, if you you wind up renting this Blu-ray, and I believe you should, then you should make sure that you uh, close your windows and close your doors and tell your neighbors because you have absolutely got to blast the first ten minutes of this film. Loudly. Loudly. Yeah. It's it is very powerful and very well done and a great way to start the film. Uh the Blu-ray is gorgeous looking, just absolutely gorgeous. It's um it was really well shot and I have to say that there's no there's there's great detail in, in clothing and everything is just looks gorgeous in this terrific Blu-ray. Uh, audio quality is pretty good too. There's a uh, couple okay uh, uh, special features, nothing great. Uh, there's a featurette about the special effects and the uh, visual style, and the uh, and you know there's a show from uh, that was on HDNet. A featurette that was on HDNet. Couple Th- this one
0: best picture from the uh, National Society. I don't know how that happened.
1: I don't know either. And you know what? Uh, Kirsten Dunst won Best Actress at Cannes.
0: Yeah, she which did. Which I
1: found a little strange too. it has
0: got nothing from the Oscars, nothing from no. anybody else. But the National, that's what I found so weird. The National Society of Film Critics, you know, we tend to be able to kind of do the film critic algebra pretty easily. Uh, but, you know, where you think, well, the National Society has, you know, a certain number of people from the New York Film Critics Circle. And then we got a handful of our colleagues from LAFCA who also belong. But the LAFCA members don't go to New York for the final round of voting. They just vote by email in the first round. So, you know, we know a lot of these personalities and we know their tastes. And then when the New York film critics come out with their awards and then Lafka comes out with theirs and we know these people and we kind of do the math in our heads and we usually get a pretty good – you know, we can usually guess fairly well at what films based on those favored by those two groups are going to sort of be in the running for the National Society. This came out of the blue. I didn't see this at all. I just thought, really? Melancholia? Like this was not anywhere in New York or anywhere with Lafka – how did this emerge from the pack with the National Society? It made no sense to me.
1: I don't know. I really don't. And I have to say that uh, I think... It's such o- a bizarre choice. It, it, I mean, it's a, little, it's, it's a return to form for Von Trier. At least it makes him feel a little bit sane. But I do feel like it was kind of overpraised. Um, Wade, big, big, big doings, Wade. Big, big doings. What big doings? Big doings. Ralph uh, Bakshi. Yes. Is, uh, he's uh, being interviewed now. Yes. There was an interview with him in the uh, paper the other day. Oh, in the, the, in the Times. In, in the, the Times. Times. Yeah, there was. It was a great... I loved reading about him because he's kind of disappeared. Yeah. And I think his greatest achievement was not Fritz the Cat, an X-rated cartoon.
0: Well, it was a scandalous achievement, Fritz the Cat
1: was. Not a horny cat. Nor was it even the Lord of the Rings. Now, he did an animated version of Lord of the Rings in the... In with a, a lot of in...
0: rotoscoping in it, actually. It was yeah. very, very avant-garde, very kind of... It really Push the was. Envelope, yeah. and this
1: is 78, so it was a long time ago. It was well before the, uh, the new films, obviously. To me, his, his uh, crowning achievement was Wizards. And Wizards is just a really interesting. You know what, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds mm-hmm. me of the Dark Crystal.
0: Yeah, a little just bit. Just in terms of like, you get a. The design, certainly. The, the, the design concepts. The, the feel. The design
1: concepts and the feel of it. And here you get a guy, Ralph Bakshi, who's, who's totally unfettered by any outside influence. This is the movie he wants to do, just like Dark Crystal was the film that Jim Henson had always wanted to do, yeah. you know, outside of the Muppets and whatnot. And this is just a really interesting film. There's some great character um, designs in it. And, you know, the animation isn't as, you know, it's not as uh, uh, envelope pushing as, let's say, his Lord True. of the Rings. Yeah but I still think it's a terrific film. I agree. It really is good. And it's finally, finally, finally out, not just on a, a Blu-ray, a, a DVD, but on Blu-ray.
0: Fantabuloso.
1: And it comes with a 24-page collectible book, which is nice, a commentary by Ralph Bakshi. And uh, hopefully this guy will start getting a... Um, A little bit Uh, of of a a bounce again. It would be nice. Yes, it would.
0: You know what else is coming out soon, Mark? You've seen the commercials. By the way, I just want to say Wizards, when I was a kid, had the coolest TV spot. The 30-second spot for Wizards was captivating. Absolutely riveting. And uh, it just just haunts me to this day. So, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed that. This is nice. It's in a little uh, white booklet form. Uh, You know what else is coming out soon, Mark? Uh,
1: American Pie 4 or 3 or American Reunion. But wait, wait, that's the, that's the, is that the third one or the fourth one? It's the one? fourth one. That would be the
0: fourth one. one. Yes, yeah, the fourth one. American one? Reunion. You see, we had American Pie, and then we had American Pie 2, and then we had American Wedding, and now we're going to have American Reunion. They can't leave it alone. These people are now way, way too old to be doing these movies, but they still have a following for some crazy, wacky, nutty reason. And so the uh, good folks over at Universal have seen fit to inflict the entire series on us all over again. Because, of course, with American Reunion coming out, you've got to catch up. Otherwise, you might watch that movie and be lost. You won't know what's going on, you know. You, you just, you, the relationships will make no sense whatsoever. So anyway, the, uh, all three of these, American Pie, American Pie 2, and American Wedding, are now on uh, a big whopping Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy combo sets, all of them with nice little cardboard sleeves. And they, each one includes an unrated and a theatrical version of the movie. I'm just going to go out there again to say these are all versions that have been out there before. You've seen them all, and there is not enough difference between any of these versions to really make a difference. This is a pure marketing ploy. So if you love the movies, that's fine. Truly, like for example, you know how the running time difference is between the unrated and theatrical versions of American Pie?
1: They added three minutes.
0: Uh, The theatrical version is 96 minutes. The unrated version?
1: Ninety-three minutes.
0: Ninety-six minutes.
1: What? That's correct. Well, maybe they pulled stuff out and put other stuff back in.
0: Yeah, well, it, not significantly. There's about a six-minute difference between the two America, the American Pie 2 uh, versions, and uh, there's a—it's about a seven-minute difference, I guess, between the two versions on American Wedding. Really, not enough to matter. It's it just the story's the same. Um I will say this, American Wedding is absolutely beautifully photographed by uh, our, our good friend Lloyd. You know that. Oh, is that right? Lloyd shot American Wedding.
1: Oh, I didn't know yeah. that.
0: It was directed by Jesse Dillon. Uh, Lloyd does all the Jesse Dillon stuff whenever Jesse Dillon chooses to make movies. But anyway, all the extras here, you've seen it all before. Uh, so there's really nothing, uh, nothing new except for the fact that they've thrown some pocket blue and beady live stuff on there and uh, some Blu-ray exclusives that are much more about promoting American reunion than anything else. And, um, you know, otherwise, do these films look fine in Blu-ray? They look fine. They look fine. I mean, they're not, uh, you know, they're not going to blow your mind. But they are it's very competent. Universal has sort of brought their A game to putting these out on Blu-ray. So I'll give them some props there. And uh, then also we have... A trio of these TCM uh, Greatest Classic Legends collections that come out from uh, Turner and uh, Warner Brothers every so often. And it's always a quartet of films. Sometimes these are, you know, uh, greatest classic films based on a genre. Sometimes it's uh, centered around a director. In this case, we've got uh, the wonderful winner of this year's LAFCA uh, Career Achievement Award, Mark, Doris Day. These are four Doris Day films, uh, and I, I think they're pretty good ones. Calamity Jane is really fun. Please Don't Eat the Daisies is, is with David Niven is just absolutely outstanding. Romance on the High Seas, bit of a ringer, not so much. Uh, and Love Me or Leave Me, it's got James Cagney. Uh, Could have been better, but they're all uh, they're all pretty good. So uh, that's a nice little quartet. Then we also have a. Um, greatest classic legends Catherine Hepburn a completely different kind of an actress uh, all four of these are great absolutely great The Philadelphia Story Stage Door Little Women and Morning Glory if you've Morning Glory is the one a lot of people may not have seen you've got to make sure you see it because Morning Glory really is one of her uh, her really really good and very underrated films same year as Little Women by the way And uh, really just absolutely fantastic. She won her first Best Actress Award for it, and and, uh, most people still haven't seen it. It's really a terrific film. But, of course, The Philadelphia Story, it just doesn't get much better than that. One of the great American films of all time. All four of those in one set is a bargain. And then, uh, finally, we get uh, their greatest gangster films, a quartet uh, centered around Edward G. Robinson. Mark, do the impression.
1: Yeah, she, she.
0: everyone's got a Robinson. Uh, these are. There's really only one of these films that most people will have heard of, which is *Kid Galahad*, and uh, that's with Betty Davis, and that's an absolutely terrific film. The other three, *The Little Giant*, *Bullets or Ballots*, and *Larceny Incorporated*, are uh, are also very, very good. A lot of fun. Edward G. Robinson, one of the great American actors of all time. He knew his place. He knew his persona, and he worked it like nobody's business. And uh, the little giant is particularly interesting because it's um, it's got some edgy material in it. You know, it's a pre-code film, and it really kind of pushes pushes some boundaries.
1: All right, wait. We have two animated films. I don't like either of them, so I will do them hmm, alphabetically. Happy Feet 2 is out on Blu-ray, and uh, it looks great because it's animated. It's like straight from the computer to the Blu-ray, so it looks great. However, um, this movie is uh, one big unnecessary... Useless, never... Yeah, never should have happened. That's the thing. It really... You know what? It's just... It's not that... Fu- you know The original was cute, I guess. Fine, whatever. Uh, this one, not funny. Seems totally mercenary mm-hmm. in that it's, not, it's, not, it's just not necessary. And of course... Everything has to be bigger yeah, and louder right. yeah. because it's a sequel. And if it's not bigger and louder, it can't be better. I of course, know. that's not true. Not so um, I'm just not a fan. You know, it's got a great voice cast, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, uh, Hank Azaria, Robin Williams, Elijah Wood. But I just, I'm just, i just not feeling it, although it does look great. Uh, this, of course, is another ultraviolet uh, piece of stupidity. So what they want you to do is they want you to load this into the ultraviolet and then you're on a car trip. And you can either play it in the car on the DVD, which is also included, or the kid has an iPhone, or the kid has an iPad, or whatever the kid has. The uh, kid has a PlayStation, or whatever, PlayStation uh, Vita we were talking about earlier, and you can watch it on that. Clearly yeah. what they're hoping for. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, Happy Feet 2 pass. Also, uh, I found very disappointing, 1010, the, uh, this is a Blu-ray 3D.
0: We all knew this was going to be a mess.
1: It's a Blu-ray 3D, it's a Blu-ray, it's a DVD, and it's a digital copy. This was directed by Steven Spielberg and written by an interesting uh, uh, team. This was co-written by the team of Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish, and they are these British guys who really...
0: Well, Edgar Wright, of course, of, of Shaun of the Shaun Dead. Shaun of the Dead and, and
1: Joe yeah. Cornish, who directed um, Attack the Block. Right Now, these guys have interesting
0: sensibilities, bu- sensibilities yeah.
1: none of which are here. <laughs> what I didn't like about Tintin... Mostly just to, just to top line it Is that I thought it was just Relentlessly noisy It was just a big Cacophonous Noise of nothing You didn't care about Tintin yeah. you, you didn't care about the kid You didn't care about the dog You didn't care about any of the characters It was just big and loud And then it ended And you know there's There's a shot that Spielberg is so proud of It's like It's a chase scene And in the chase scene It's like Basically a 12 minute Uninterrupted yeah quote unquote shot who
0: cares who
1: cares it's motion capture motion capture not important what's yeah. important is you care about the characters you care about the story you care about the people none of that happened this is and, and you know what it's it's you can tell that spielberg is a little energized by the possibilities of what he can do in this yeah. new medium but the thing is that that doesn't mean that he should just throw it all into one film because yeah. ultimately you a film needs pacing they need the quiet bits they need the noisy bits they need the fast moving bits, they need the slow moving bits. This doesn't have that. This is like all fast moving stuff and again, you don't care about Tintin. Uh, so I just found this a great disappointment.
0: That's unfortunate. Now it looks great. Cuz I love the, I love the comic books. I mean, I they're they're, yeah, they're cause, amazing. Cause they're, it's they're, tan, yeah.
1: Tintin. You love Tintin. Tan. That's how you say it in French, right? Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, that's that's right. And they've done animated films in France and very rudimentary tain but they're good. I got three cult films here that I'm going to uh, dive into. Um, real quickly, Fat City, New Orleans. Uh, this is, you know...
1: I'm if, going to New Orleans next month.
0: Well, you'll love this then. I am. W- really?
1: Yes, I'm going to Jazz Fest.
0: You're you're going to Jazz Fest? I am. In New Orleans? Yep.
1: I've never wow. been to New Orleans. By okay. the way, if anybody has any recommendations for places to go in New Orleans... And you can't say go to hell because that's not fair. Okay. Uh, well, email good. us at gods at digigods.com. Never been to New Orleans.
0: Okay. Well, very good. Fine. Fine. Be that way. Uh, you know, now this is not a, a, an old film. It takes place in 1979, but it, it does. It, it is kind of a, a wannabe cult film. And uh, it's sort of like, um, oh, uh, Dazed and Confused meets um, American Graffiti in New Orleans. And uh, that's really all it is. It's just a 1979 coming-of-age movie about kids. And it tries to be cool and slick and culty. And it kind of is, you know. I, it should be kind of a midnight movie somewhere. But anyway, that's, uh, that's an interesting little curiosity on Blu-ray this week. Um, not quite sure why they think they can make a go of it on Blu-ray. But bravo, you know. It's always good to have a dream. Uh, then there's a movie, Mark, called Zat. Zat. Have you ever heard of Zat, Z-A-A-T? I've
1: heard of Zapped, the Scott Baio film.
0: Well, this is an absolutely honest-to-goodness 1970s-era uh, cult movie. And I know 1970s-era cult movies, and uh, I had never heard of this. Um, this one came completely out of the blue, and uh, I just I don't even know what to make of this. This is from Cultra, and here's the plot of this. I'm going to read it right off of the packaging, okay? Because there's no way that I could do justice to this more than what this says here. Strange occurrences begin to plague Cypress Grove after a disgruntled ex-Nazi scientist disappears into his makeshift lab on the outskirts of town only to reappear as a half-human, half-catfish monster. As part of his sinister plan to rule the world, he also takes to polluting the local waterways, mutating the local aquatic wildlife. Yep. That's that's that the plot. It's a, it's a documentary. Yes. <laughs> Half catfish uh, you know what? It's weird and wacky and, uh, and hysterically bizarre. And I, there it is. There you have it. Uh, and then the last one is a giallo film. And, you know, the giallo genre, really, it's all Italian uh, slasher and gore movies from the, uh, the 70s and, and all, even on into the 80s. This is from the mid-70s. And what I love about this genre is that they had titles. That were metaphorical. They sort of conjured your imagination. They didn't. They didn't just come out and tell you what the movie was about. They forced you to just kind of think, like, what's that? Well, what's that really mean? You know, like how in Chinatown, it doesn't really take place in Chinatown, and Brazil has nothing to do with Brazil, and it forces you to kind of think, like, well, why? Why does it? Why does it have that title? The same thing for this movie. Uh, the title of this film. This is on. This is on Blu-ray. This film is is titled "Strip Nude for Your Killer." Now, Mark... um, So that's another documentary. It is, in fact, a documentary, yes. Um, So, you know, is anyone nude in this? Well, yes. Does anyone... Are there killers in this? Well, yes. But it's about so much more than that. Um, I don't really know what it's about, but I'm I'm sure it's about more than that. Um, It's directed directed by Andrea Bianchi, a giallo director I have never heard of, and uh, it's, it's pretty terrible, but kind of funny at the same time. So there you have it.
1: You know, Wade, hmm. there was a movie.
0: Ah, uh, yes. There was. Once. Many, many moons <laughs> many, ago. Many, years ago. I feel like we're a thousand years in the future. Really? What was it? What was
1: it? This is before movies were beamed right into your DNA, your subconscious.
0: When people were born with Blu-ray libraries in their heads.
1: Exactly. Uh, Young Adult is uh, the latest film from uh, Jason Reitman. Whose
0: short film I actually judged once. Huh.
1: And, and you judged it wanting. Yeah. Um, you know, it was written by Diablo Cody, so it is a uh, it is A, a reunion, reunion of sorts, yeah. From Juno. And I have to say that, I think I said this to Wade at the time, which is uh, I felt uh, Young Adult was a step up for Diablo Cody and a step back for Jason Reitman. Uh, I think this film was totally overpraised. I think it's completely fine. Uh, I, people were... Uh, Keeping laurels upon it because Charlize Theron plays an unlikable woman in a role that is usually played by like an unlikable like an unlikable male, and I'm sorry, I just don't really feel the transgression in that. I just don't, you know. Great, Charlize Theron plays a, a woman. Arrested Development goes back. Uh, yeah. To her hometown to try to woo back her I high school I like, sweetheart.
0: I like Pat Oswalt in the movie. I thought he was good, but but I didn't think the movie was the, the movie just kind sort of laid there. It just didn't. You know I, what I mean?
1: I, I, I did. You know, I I didn't feel the uh, the cultural resonance that I felt from like Up in the Air. I wasn't really attached to the characters like I was in Juno. In Juno. I, I just didn't get it. I you didn't just feel wasn't the there.
0: you didn't feel a satirical edge like you did in Thank You for Smoking. No, it
1: just wasn't there for yeah, me
0: Yeah, I it I see I don't think much of Diablo Cody as a as a as a writer. I think she's uh highly overrated because we forget what was that what was that horrible thing that she did in between this With and Jennifer's body? Yeah. Oh gosh that was bad. What a mistake. It was bad. Oof most untalented writer to win an Oscar but you know uh, everyone expected Charlize Theron to get an Oscar nomination for that and she didn't but you know who did and who would have won in any other year if not for this whole thing with you know the help and the Iron Lady and I mean any other year I'll tell you, Michelle Williams would have won Best Actress for My Week with Marilyn. It would have been a lock. Uh, She is so wonderful in this film. And I think the whole film is wonderful. Uh, Simon Curtis directed it. You haven't heard a lot about Simon Curtis, but look out for him. This guy's going to win an Academy Award within the next six seven eight years mark my words he is uh, he's a real director to watch he's got a wonderful hand with actors he's technically very proficient comes out of that whole BBC Academy that uh, just churns out brilliant brilliant directors left and right and he does an unbelievably great commentary on here it's really really sharp you gotta listen to the commentary I don't say that about every commentary anymore they all kind of bleed into each other this one is absolutely terrific Um, and the movie is wonderful if you don't know the story forget about how close it is to the to the truth I mean it's it's a fan. To see whether or not it's accurate, forget about it. But it is basically based on the the story of Colin Clark, who went on to become a very successful documentarian, who was uh, at the time a 23-year-old, uh, you know, assistant. On the making of The Prince and the Showgirl, which was uh, a film that Laurence Olivier was directing. He was getting older and he'd hired Marilyn Monroe to be in it, to act opposite him, so that he could sort of recapture his, his youth, his vigor, somehow kind of piggyback on her fame. And she was already, you know, getting into her, her later career stage. She was uh, 30 at the time. And all of this, this drama took place behind the scenes uh, of the making of this film. And I gotta tell you, Kenneth Branagh, who was also nominated for an Oscar playing uh, Laurence Olivier, is phenomenal 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 unbelievably great performance michelle williams is great Eddie Redmayne, who I have liked in a lot of things, playing Colin Clark, also great. Beautifully shot. Music is terrific. I, there's just nothing bad about this movie. The only thing bad you can say is it's maybe not as deep and heavyweight as, as uh, you know some people might like, but it is a delightful film, and fundamentally pretty much the same story as uh, I, I've talked about this before, pretty much the same story as The Artist and Hugo and uh, The Muppets, which is it's all about fleeting fame and being fearful of, of losing your celebrity, and how do I get it back once it's gone it's all of those themes about uh, celebrity and obsolescence that all the movies have been about lately and it is just wonderful get it on blu-ray michelle williams just she will pop out of your television set and and dazzle you it is a delightful film might even be my pick of the week
1: by the way when when you say that michelle Williams will pop out of the tv and dazzle you that is not a guarantee
0: uh, no it's a guarantee it happened really in fact that's it why it will I, happen it will happen that's why I gotta get home cause she's been hanging out for the last five hours
1: yeah
0: there you go uh, you know what else Mark we talked about Edward G. Robinson and we talked about Fritz Long and uh, you know what they actually did work together They worked together on Scarlet Street, which was a Universal film, and uh, it is now on Blu-ray from Kino, and uh, what a great transfer it is. This is uh, obviously not the, again, you know, this is not Edward G. Robinson at his best. This is not Fritz Long at his best. This is uh, 1945, right at the end of World War II, and... um, it is, uh, this film has been out previously on DVD it is now out for the first time on Blu-ray and boy is it really really good um, the, the transfer is just spectacular now the film itself I, I, I still kind of struggle with it feels just ever so slightly dated in a certain way if this had been a pre-code film I might have kind of uh, you know bought the whole like Joan Bennett is so sultry in this I almost want her to just kind of break out but she never really does so um, I feel like it, it pulls its punches just a little bit. But um, still, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting film and very, very important. And, uh, you know, one of the kind of early mid-era film noirs that really kind of made a dent at the time. Um, the, uh, the audio commentary on here by David Collat who wrote a book on uh, on Long in The Strange Case of Dr. Mabuza is quite good. David Collat is somebody that uh, I've had dealings with for many, many years. He's been involved in uh, DVD from the very early days. He's a great film scholar and does a lovely commentary here. So that alone makes this probably worth at least a rental if you can get a hold of it.
1: Wait, why are you give me all the crappy movies this week? Because you, you, mean.
0: You, <laughs> you, you, you can be so much more articulate about that junk than I can. Oh. You, you, you'll say funny things. You'll like, you'll like, go oh, Three Musketeers. More like, and then you'll have something very, very clever to to, to I'd say. I'd rather
1: it. eat the candy. Like all I would bar. say,
0: you know, all I would say is, yeah, they made this movie like a hundred times. It's never been done right, and this is probably the worst one ever made. There that's, you go. Uh, that's, I'm done. <laughs>
1: What do you want me to say? <laughs> it's, Come on, it was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, one of the biggest hacks in the world. Uh, it was the worst. It's a it's a terrible film. It's a terrible film, but the good thing is that it's on Blu-ray 3D, and that's oh, something we well, can all get sense. behind.
0: Yes, of course it is. Yes.
1: You realize how much money this made for Summit? This movie grossed domestically yes, a grand total yeah. of $20 million. Did
0: it really? Yep. That's more than I thought.
1: This was an epic fail. Wow. An epic fail. It is just so incredibly it is worst case scenario of this sort of material. And uh it's terrible. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about it. It's not like Okay.
0: It. All right. Fine. Be that way.
1: Uh, sci-fi original movie wade. A little thing we like to call Neverland. Oh, anything now, to do with Peter Pan? The... Huh?
0: Anything to do with Peter Pan perhaps?
1: Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not talking about Finding Neverland. Oh. Which, how much do we love Finding Neverland? I love that movie. So do I.
0: By the way, the producer of Finding Neverland, new film out uh, coming out uh, in May, Hysteria. Oh. If you, if you, have you gotten any of the screening invites for Hysteria? No. You've got to see it. Really? You will. Oh, it is unbelievably fun. It is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough.
1: Wait, what's it called?
0: Hysteria. It's great. I will tell you nothing about it. Just, just look for the invite. I'll, I'll forward some of the invites to you. You got to get into a screening. It's yeah. great, 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 great. I had so much fun. I couldn't believe it. All
1: right. Well, anyway, Neverland is the uh, prequel to uh, Peter Pan.
0: There's a prequel.
1: Yes. Wow. Who it's knew? Unbelievable. Mm. Uh The cast includes uh, Reese Eifendz, who you will you'll be seeing in the new Spider-Man movie. Mm. Anna Freel, who's a uh, kind of I uh,
0: love Anna Freel. Speaking of the land girls.
1: Yeah, she was in that. She
0: was in the Land Girls. That is true. Yeah. Oh,
1: Keira Knightley also turns up in this thing too, and uh, it's it's not bad. Look, it's a sci. It's it's well to say it's a sci-fi original movie. That just means that somebody else made it and sci-fi bought it. Ah, uh, yeah. Sci-fi did not commission this film. No, they did not. No. Uh, but you know what? It's got some swashbuckling stuff going on in there, and uh, people who love Peter Pan might get a kick out of it. And uh, you know, Keira Knightley is the voice of Tinker and it's yeah, kind of cute, go. lovely. Yeah, why not? Why not? There's a commentary by the writer and director. Uh, there's an interesting making of green screen to scene which tells you all about how green screen works and uh, you know you know what I'll take this over uh, Three Musketeers
0: any day you know we have a Criterion this week and it's a movie that I am not terribly fond of but I do understand the importance of it I understand the significance of it out for the first time ever on Blu-ray is Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ here's the problem with The Last Temptation of Christ first of all the never mind the source material which got you know a certain segment of the population all hot and bothered that there was was the, the blasphemy and, and whatnot forget about for, forget about all the religious implications Scorsese went and made this movie with perhaps a, a fourth of the budget that he should have had. And uh, it, it just, that's, that is, is a problem. It's a real problem. Uh, it, it feels cheap. Um, it feels undercooked. It feels underrealized. And for Scorsese, even when he's kind of going, you know, full stylish on it, it just doesn't quite come together. Also, the cast, not good. Willem Dafoe, Harvey Keitel... Harry Harvey Dean, Keitel, Harry Dean Stanton, David Bowie as Pontius Pilate. These what? Are very,
1: these are very modern. These are weird. Have, look, all of these actors, even Willem Dafoe. Yeah. They all, uh, when you look at them, they conjure up a modern era. Yes. You know, True, you just exactly. can't look. You can't look at Harvey Keitel. No. no. And picture him. You, you can't look at David Bowie. It's I mean, just... look. I, I'm willing to go as far back as. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Yes. World War Two. No, I
0: agree with you, but, but anything? No. Further. But, uh, no. no. Uh, uh,
1: David Bowie is—he's he's no. not going to play a Civil War general. It's just—he's not going to play Pontius Pilate. No.
0: Anyway, I mean, it's it's worth watching, and it's it's nicely shot by Michael Ballhaus, whose son Florian is now a, a big DP as well. But it is, uh, and Michael Ballhaus, of course, also did Raging Bull for Scorsese. He was Scorsese's guy at the time. But it just, it's really, I, I find the film a horrible disappointment. Now, that being said, on Blu-ray, it is a, it is a, a par excellence uh, criterion transfer just absolutely superb all this stuff exists on the DVD as well Uh, the audio commentary with uh, you know everybody involved Paul Schrader and Defoe and Scorsese and Jay Cox of course who who was a co-writer on it Um, and you know you got a lot of uh, little doodads here location footage that Scorsese shot behind the scenes and uh, interview with Peter Gabriel all the usual stuff it's a a great blu-ray though I mean it really looks good Uh, I just can't recommend the film itself I think it has huge problems and I remember I went and saw this uh, opening day after all the in century city all the protests that were going on and marches around the line you know uh, Paul Crouch from Trinity Broadcasting led this big Christian protest in the movie and uh, I went and I was like you know I'm going to make up my own damn mind so I went and I saw it in century city opening day and uh, they were doing all these radio interviews out on the street afterwards and there were a bunch of you know priests and pastors and nuns who were in there at the same time it was a weird kind of curiosity factor in the in the uh, in the the which I guess was the Plit still at that time, um, but it what? remember the Plit it was the Plit and then, it, and then it became the Odeon, yeah, Cineplex. Uh, but uh, you know I was I was interviewed for the radio that day and uh, I had a very good little quote. I wasn't yet Johnny film critic. I was still in film school at the time, but uh, my quote was, you know, I think this movie commits the worst sin of all, which is to be boring. That was clever, right? Wasn't that good? So beautiful. I was getting I was getting my getting my game on. So beautiful. I don't know if they ever actually wound up on regular radio, but they certainly recorded me saying it. Um, you know, Fireflies in the Garden is out on DVD, and if you haven't paid attention to this movie, you really should. You should at least rent it. Dennis Lee is a super, super talented guy. He wrote this and directed it, and it is a it is a very, very tenderly told story um, about a very, very conflicted family Ryan Reynolds in one of his best performances plays a, uh, a very successful novelist Who returns home and um, he, there's a long-standing clash is with his father Willem Dafoe Julia Roberts plays his mother And uh, I won't tell you anything further about it But it is the story of of what happened to this family then and where it is now and it is, uh, it's a well-told film. I think it was unfairly maligned. Uh, it sat on the shelf for, I think, somewhere between a year and two years. It, was, it just kind of sat around. Because a lot of people will see this, and I know people saw it, and they're like, Boy, Hayden Panettiere looks, looks young in that movie. Well, because she was young. You know. Everybody who was accustomed to seeing her on, on Heroes, on television. This was done a couple of years before that. So, um, yeah, she looks young. And, uh, and she is young. But the movie itself, the way that it works, is absolutely fascinating, and I think it's incredibly well written, incredibly well directed, and uh, I'm really looking forward to to anything that Dennis Lee does next. I think he's a really, really talented talented filmmaker, and it's unfortunate that this thing kind of got caught in one of those indie limbo moments because it it deserved better, and it kind of didn't do anything at the box office.
1: If If only it cost $150 million. $250
0: Two hundred fifty million. Then the studios would.
1: Then the studios would have gotten behind it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you know what the studios should have gotten behind, Mark? What? Tooth Fairy Two. I, I, I.
1: Was there a Tooth Fairy one? <laughs> oh, there was, wasn't there? It's Laird the Cable Guy.
0: You know, the whole Tooth Fairy concept, I swear I can't believe it. it's come to this. Tooth Fairy, the, the first Tooth Fairy was supposed to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle for years and years and years and years. And that thing just loitered and loitered and nobody could ever quite make it work. I don't know Why? And then finally, it emerged uh, about a year and a half ago, was it? With, uh, with the Rock, with the Rock playing the lead part, and it just went nowhere. But obviously, there were enough uh, crazy white trash people who said, "Oh, I think that's funny—a big, a big muscular guy in a tutu." Uh, so they said, "Hey, let's do a sequel." Mm. Dwayne costs too much for straight-to-video, and he won't do straight-to-video. Let's see. Let's do Tooth Fairy Two with Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done thing is, Larry the Cable Guy isn't even really Larry the Cable Guy. For those who don't know that, that's not how he really talks. He's not really Southern, folks.
1: He's actually a Rhodes Scholar. You know, he's just a
0: guy. You know, he's just yeah, he's that's just, his persona. He's a stand-up comic. He did a lot of stuff in, in like the '90s, and it didn't really catch fire. And then he created this this Hick persona and started talking like he's from Alabama and Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done. And next thing you know, everybody in the South thinks Oh, I know that guy. He's my cousin Hubert's the fourth cousin twice remote. no he's not. He's not southern. You don't know him. He doesn't come from anywhere in the south. It's Yeah, a, but you have, it's an act. you have to understand.
1: You have to understand. In the south, they're stupid. Uh, yeah, well. So they don't really know that.
0: Anyway, this is out on Blu-ray for some ghastly reason. I don't know anyone with a Blu-ray player that's going to go, "Oh my gosh, I got to add The Tooth Fairy 2 to my to my library." But uh, you know, some I guess Fox thinks that there's an audience for this. So there it is. Go figure.
1: Wait, I'm a fan of the Santana.
0: I know you dig the Santana. I saw time.
1: him. I saw him at the uh, Red Rocks uh, Labor Day, Labor Day 2011. I went and saw Santana with George Lopez opening, and uh, that's not that. Uh, that's not the show that's on. That's on Blu-ray this week. What's on Blu-ray this week is uh, live at Montro. Now Montro, you know it's uh, in Switzerland. In Switzerland. It's a
0: whole. That's the whole series, whole series. From, from Eagle. From Eagle uh, Vision, they they do these and I, they're always great.
1: They're great, and this one is uh, equally great. This was done in July of 2011. You know what? I, I saw him like uh, two months later, but I I, I wish I would have been there. That would have been cool. Exactly. Uh, anyway, great stuff. Um, all of his hits are here. Make somebody happy, and uh, Black Magic Woman, of course, Gypsy Queen, and I'll tell you, he comes out. He's got a great backing band. You know, this guy uh, Santana got a great backing band, and then they play, and then out walks Santana with his white suit. He's the king. And he's very much the, uh, the, the he's very much the hippie. He talks to the audience all about you know saving the earth and being good to each other and blah blah blah. What and a he, man! The what guy a dude. never left the guy never left the sixties, and it's wonderful. And he's really good. he's an amazing guitar player still. So. Uh, I would highly recommend if you're a fan uh, of uh, Santana live in Montreux 2011 sweet check it out
0: I I, I do like Santana I like his collaborations I like that he you know will hook up with Michelle Branch or whoever and just kind of do a thing Michelle Branch well, oh, she's, she's, she's doing stuff still. I mean, she's kind of you know, lost a little bit of the luster. Uh, before we get out, I want to make some documentary recommendations here real quickly. Senna is a fantastic, unbelievable documentary. I don't care if you think that you don't have any interest in racing. I don't, I don't care what you think. Forget about it just see this Uh, Ayrton Senna the the famous uh, Formula One racer is the subject of this incredible documentary and it's just a great great freaking movie by Asif Kapadia who made his uh, directing debut with The Warrior which was one of those great films that wound up in the Miramax closet a few years back and he followed that up with a, you know, an erotic thriller that didn't really pan out, and uh, he's back on his game with Senna. Um, Asif Kabadia, a great filmmaker, and Senna is just a really sensational film, one of the best documentaries of last year. Do not miss this. If you love docs, you will go crazy. If you want to infuriate yourself, enemies of the people which is a two-disc uh, DVD by uh, Rob Lemkin, and Teth Sambath is all about the killing fields in Cambodia, and it will just tear your heart out, it will tear your gut out, and it will, at the same time, somehow inspire you, despite all of the horrible bleakness. Um, there are some great extras on here, including uh, Q&As with the likes of uh, David Putnam, who, of course, did the killing fields, and uh, a, a just unbelievably educational uh, documentary. This is a, a must-watch for anybody who cares about the, the subject of killing fields. Really a devastating film, but yet humanistic at the same time. And then, lastly, Bill Moyers' "Amazing Grace." Uh, this is one of those PBS uh, things that Bill Moyers does. This is from Athena, which is the educational line of uh, of Acorn. And uh, Bill Moyers always provocative and interesting. And this is all about the the hymn "Amazing Grace," which was written by a famous abolitionist, uh, John Newton, back in uh, 1779. And uh, really an extraordinary story that was uh, dramatized in the movie called Amazing Grace. But uh, I think the story that uh, that Bill Moyers puts together here is much, much more engaging and fascinating and intriguing. And all the different performances and the different versions of it are just really deeply moving. Uh, Absolutely a wonderful slice of history that you just won't get anywhere else or any other way. Because Bill Moyers is one of those rare, unique American talents. So, Mark, uh, for people who, who are out there using Match.com, using JDate, date who are... <laughs> I feel your,
1: sad for you. Of, <laughs> I'm your competition.
0: Part of your community. What, what's going on out there this week? What should they look for? Are they are they- here,
1: Actually, you know what? Here's a piece of advice. Yes. When you're when you're looking for women online, yes. and you know women, they, they have all sorts of photographs. Sure. You know, they have two, three, four, five yeah. photographs. The worst photograph is what they really look like.